Welcome to another leadership podcast from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. I want to lean into an idea that's found here. It says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. We are being transformed. That's what I really want to talk to you about tonight. We are in the process of being transformed. Um, For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so this evening, I want to talk to you about the idea of, uh, let me go back. Sorry, I'm having problems with my clicker a little bit here. Uh, The idea of transformation is our expectation. I expect that God is transforming me. I can see it. I expect it. I welcome it. I desire it. It's my prayer that that's your desire as well, but it's my confidence. It is absolutely my confidence that God is in the process of bringing about the better version of you. The version that I see right now is pretty good, but God has even better things that he wants to bring out, amen? So do me a favor, place your hand over your heart. We're gonna pray together. Father, I thank you so much this evening for this great opportunity to gather, for our church family to come together, for us to be in the same place. Some are still at home, some have been Uh, exposed to sickness this week and wisely they're at home. Pray for anybody who's at home right now who's sick in body, we speak healing over them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just remind myself in a world that wants me to check my vitals every five seconds, even though I feel fine, Father, I'm not gonna adjust my living to that, always checking to discover what's wrong. Lord, we wanna lean into confidence that God, you are good, that we can walk in health, We can expect health. It's why you came. It's one of the great reasons. And I know the world we're in is challenged, and we do need to be wise. But, Father, we also don't need to walk in fear. We need to walk in confidence in you. And so I speak that confidence over your people. Father, as we step into the word tonight, transform our minds so that we can experience transformed lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, come on. They said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand as you're seated. Grab your Bible. and. I think I might have already mentioned, maybe I didn't, I'm going to actually go backwards in my notes just for a second. That QR code at the beginning of the message is there so that you can follow along in the notes. I never get to all my notes. I never get to all the points. Uh, And sometimes I might not even make any sense (laughs) because of that. It's like, have you ever had anybody tell you a half a story and never finish it up? I know that's that's happened to you because I do it frequently, okay? It's like, squirrel, okay, and then I'm, I'm on to, why am I telling this story again? And so we want you to be able to have the notes uh, because actually we do take a lot of time. We love the Word of God. It's what we base our lives on. And so if I don't get to all of it tonight, you'll be able to find it. I'll just bring you up to speed on our uh, build-out. That's actually our brand-new sign on the front of the building there in Orchards. Um, There's one on the front and the back. On the inside of the building, framing is taking place. (laughs) You guys are excited about just about... There's some, some... Things going like this. Woo! Okay. Actually, I did run excitedly through the building this week. I did keep my clothes on, but it was pretty exciting. Some of you are like, what? Okay. Um, they're working on the framing in the building, creating spaces. I won't try to describe those spaces to you, but wiring and plumbing starts this week. And we're really looking probably an early March move-in date. And I know that's taken longer, but if you've ever built anything, it always takes longer. So it just is what it is. But we're excited about that, Okay. So moving on from there, because, you know, buildings are containers, we value them, but they're not everything, right? 
Um, if your family's not happy in the apartment, they won't be happy in the house. That's a reality. You can buy new clothes, but it's not going to make a new you. Um, and that really leans into this idea of transformation. Uh, I love this verse, and I love the concept that's there. Uh, one of the great things about being able to be involved with your life and you and with mine is we have great moments where um, I say this many times into many people, and some of you will think I'm talking specifically about you, and I am, but I'm also talking about you and maybe you. I have this conversation frequently when someone new comes to the church, and especially if they don't have a church background, I'm like, oh, you are so in trouble. <laughs> like, well, I'm just here for my girlfriend, and, you know, I'm not really into this thing. And I, I just start smiling, and my face starts to really get smiley because I know that the tractor beam of God, you are so in trouble. <laughs> we start hanging around the people that are in this room, and you start singing the songs together, and we start praying together. All of a sudden, you're like, well, what's going on? I've, I feel something. It's it's because I just know that when you step into an environment like this, my confidence is that God is going to reach into your life and pull open the veil that separates you from him that, you know, so hard to know in our lives. You know, is there really a God? And we contemplate so many different things while the veil is closed. But God is in the process through his spirit of pulling those curtains open and drawing us closer into a relationship. And I remember I went to church for a lot of years and believed in God, but did not know God and then walked into a crazy church like ours where people sang and they raised their hands and the people prayed, not just the pastors, but the people prayed. And I was like, man, I've never heard anything like that. But it created an environment where God opened the curtain. And for the first time, I was like, whoa, God, you're really real. Uh, you're really real. Not because he says it. I can sense you. I can feel you. You're in this place. And so I love that moment when that, somebody has that realization and with many of you, and through the years, I've been able to pray with so many people, inviting the Lord into their life, saying yes, where they say, Lord, I want to start a, uh, an actual relationship with you. And we step across that line, and we begin the journey. And that's what we would say, someone's starting their walk with the Lord, or they're getting saved, or they're, you know, they're starting the process of following Jesus. And we lean heavily into that, and we love that, and it's always exciting. But I want to tell you the step that comes after that is even more exciting to me because believing is important, but believing is the first step. What I love about this process uh, of salvation is that salvation, it's the byproduct of believing, but transformation is the byproduct of the ongoing relationship. And you're going to find that once you start a relationship with God, as you're hanging out with him, as you're hanging out in his house, as you're hanging out with his people, as you're interacting with the word of God, as you're trying to grow, as you're just living life, that relationship is going to begin to transform who you are. You are going to begin to change. And it's not behavior modification, but rather it's a supernatural journey where God transforms the what is into the what should be. You know, without God, you are such a reduced version of yourself, it's, it's hard to even describe what God created you to be, and then what has limited you because of the life away from God is, is finally put into action the moment you say yes and begin to walk with God, you begin to be transformed and to become the person that he intended in the beginning. When you start your relationship with God, you become smarter. That's just a fact. 
You become healthier because you start changing how you live. You become friendlier, more likable, more beautiful, better attitude. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like your, your posture before was like, ah, I'm always getting ripped off. Nobody, you know, it's, you're always the victim. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, 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 Jesus was the victim in your place so that you could be a victor, right? Anybody? And so that causes you to, to stand up and walk differently. Before meeting Jesus, you always felt like maybe you were a loser and Maybe I don't deserve to be here, and maybe I've just gotten a pass, and I'm never going to amount to much. Maybe somebody's told you that all your life, and then you say yes to Jesus, and then he starts whispering in your ear, you're my son, you're my daughter. I've called you to be the head and not the tail. I'm going to help you to win. And he begins to speak all this hope and all this direction, and all of a sudden these sunken shoulders from the loser starts to broaden out and stand up and walk in confidence because you are not a loser. He says that you are his son, amen? And so there's a transformation that begins to happen, and you begin to journey from who you are and the life you're living in to the person that God intended you to be. And in the process of that, there's not an arena of your life that his transformation's not going to impact every area of your life. He will not only transform the way you talk, the way you think, the way you interact with people over time. He's going to transform your circumstances, your finances. There's not a component of your life that God does not want to improve. I'm just telling you, across the board, you want to win in life, your best chance at winning in life is a relationship with God because he will teach you a better way. One of the greatest areas of focus on his, his transforming work is going to be in your brain. This is so critical. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, and this is the King James Version, words it this way. Uh, The the concept is seen other places in Scripture, um, but I love this portion of Scripture. It says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's the idea that if you think a certain way, then you will act a certain way, And then the way that you act will yield certain outcomes. I've told you this story many, many times, but there used to be uh, help coach my son's baseball team. And we had a little guy on the team that he would would be standing in the batter's or or off to the side waiting to get up to the batter's box. And the whole time, I can't hit the ball. I'm never going to be able to hit the ball. I stink. I don't even know why they're putting me in. He would start that from the dugout all the way up to the plate. And guess what would happen at the plate? He would strike out every single time. He would, he would even swing the bat. When he did, it was just like, a, like effort, no effort. He, he, because already in his mind, he had made up his mind, I'm no good. I can't hit the ball. I'm never going to be good at this. And the truth is, our thought process affects our lives. I was talking with somebody not that long ago, and they were explaining to me that before, before they, they knew God, you know, a thought would come into their mind, and it was kind of like a, not, a vo- not an outside voice, but more an internal voice. And I think we all understand this concept that would just say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do to fix it. It's really the product of your own mind thinking certain things. But he explained that now that I'm following after the Lord, I recognize that's not the voice I need to be listening to. Anybody? Anybody you're like me, I, I know that some of you have told me these stories. You wake up in the middle of the night and like you've got this, you're terrified because there's this thought in your mind. My business is going to shut down this week. Nobody's going to call and make any appointments. Oh, I, my family, they're never going to serve God. Uh, we're never going to be able to get the house fixed. Uh, we're, I'm never going to get that promotion. 
that my child's never going to get their act together. And you, you hear, have you, do you hear those voices? Nobody's ever going to want me. Nobody's ever going to love me. My hair's going to fall out like Pastor Steve's. You should be so lucky. This is like amazing. I thank God for this. Some of you are like, I don't want that. No, you want this. It takes two seconds, and you look this good, right? Okay. The the idea, one of the biggest things that God wants to change before he can change anything in your life, before anything is really ever going to get transformed in your life, the number one thing that needs to be transformed is your mind. It's a powerful thing. Maybe some of you have grown up in a home and you were told as a kid, you're ugly or we didn't want you or you're a mistake. And I hate that that's happened to some of you. And I know that you don't agree with it, but sometimes, even though we don't agree with it, it is something that settles in our minds and causes us to carry ourselves a certain way. And we carry it into our interactions with other people. We carry it into our relationships. We carry it into negotiations in, in, the, in, in, in the manager's office. And it's wrong thinking, but it affects us. And one of the things that I love about I just love this about my relationship with God is a million people could try to convince me of the truth but are unable to because it's a natural argument, but God transforms the mind, and so God is not doesn't argue me into right thinking. God changes my thinking. You see that in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is one of the reasons why Jesus died. It's great that Jesus died so that you wouldn't, you, your sins would be paid for. But if that's all he died for, you're just going to keep on the same behavior, the same faulty thinking, the same wrong decisions, the same need for forgiveness for the rest of your life. And that's honestly pretty sad. But Jesus not only died for your sin, but then three days later, he was resurrected showing that sin had no hold on him and should bring you hope that the person that you were doesn't have to be the person that you will be. Amen? And so those those voices that I used to not even recognize and would just obey, I now recognize as lies, and I take those thoughts captive because of what Christ has done. Believe it or not, you're not going to get so spiritual that those voices are going away. Oh, Pastor Steve probably doesn't hear any of those voices. I think I hear, um, trust me, I hear lots of voices. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you what, there's the voices that I, I'm like, if, if I believed them, man, it's not good. And I think sometimes there's this expectation that transformation means you don't hear the voices. No, transformation means you recognize the voice. That's the difference to know what is a lie and what is truth. Because when he transforms your mind, this scripture goes on to say that then you will know the will of God. You will know truth. Once God transforms your mind, you will know what truth is. And I love that. It's a transformation process. You know, I'll give you an example out of my own personal life. I, even it, it's a, this transformation of the mind is, is an ongoing process. He's constantly transforming and transforming. And once he transforms this area, Then he spreads you out and steps into a new, bigger area. So much of the transformation that's going to happen in your life is going to be primarily internal. Because guess what? The circumstances can change easy. It's the internal things that need to change that I know that he's going to do. I've I've experienced it for myself personally, and I thank God for this. I can actually 
stand back and see how the Lord has changed me. And my prayer is that you can see that in yourself. It should be always something that God is working on. I can definitely see it in you. Some of you are not the person I knew a couple years ago. Some of you aren't the people I knew six months ago. And it is remarkable. It is, it is a bigger miracle than healing. And I love healing. I love when God heals somebody in our church, and he's done that many times. We've, you, you, you're sick. We'll pray over you. They could tell you have cancer. We're praying, and we're going to believe for a good report. If Jesus were to walk in this room, you would be healed 100%. Amen? Amen? And he is in this room. And so we believe, we pray that way. But a bigger miracle than healing is your transformation. Because he can change your circumstance. That's cool. But if he can change your heart, that's miraculous. Because I don't know about your heart. My heart doesn't shift gears very easily. I like to say, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm available and willing for you to adjust me. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I say that I am, but then how many of you know that when somebody begins to put some pressure on you, you hunker down and you, like, double down on stuff? No, I go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I know that for me, like, a thing built into my Christianity early on was I, I believed in prayer, but I also believed, you know, you pray, that's all you need to do, and then the will of God will happen. And so very firmly fixed in my mind was this thing of the will of God always happens. I remember having an argument with a guy out in our, the driveway of our church. He was like, Steve, the will of God doesn't always happen. God is sovereign, and the will of God always happens. Nothing can stop the will of God. Except when I looked through the scriptures, I began to discover sometimes the will of God doesn't happen because, as Jen said at the beginning of our gathering, if you don't fight for the will of God to happen, it's not going to because we have a role to play. Guess what? It's the will of God for everyone to know him. Is that happening everywhere? No. Why? Because there's times when people don't participate. Even good Christian people at times don't participate. The example I'll give you is like if something is happening in my world that shouldn't be happening but I've just decided that the will of God just happens. And so if this thing is bad happening in my life, I guess it's the will of God for bad things to happen in my life. And so I sit back passively, put my dukes down, and just live with it. And I really didn't even realize that, but when I look in Scripture, Jesus taught his disciples not to settle when they were experiencing something less than his will. The disciples prayed in Matthew chapter 17. There was someone who was sick, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and guess what? Nothing happened. And so they just stood around. I, I, guess, I guess it's not the will of God. And Jesus shows up on the scene, sees the argument, and says, what's going on? What are you arguing about? Well, we prayed, and nothing happened. And you know what Jesus did? He said, uh, that's because you, 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 you've not ratcheted up your faith enough. He blamed it on them. I've had people to say to me, well, what are you saying, I lack faith? Well, that's a tough thing. Jesus said that to his disciples. That's what he said. Why is this person not being healed? You of <clears throat> little faith. Now, it wasn't saying that you don't have any faith. He's not saying you don't even have a lot of faith. The disciples had already done some amazing, amazing things. But this thing that they were trying to do in this spot required more force than they were able to push with. And so Jesus stepped in, he pushed hard, and then he challenged the disciples afterwards to learn to push harder. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the will of God was not taking place, and he wanted it to take place. 
If he hadn't been there, the disciples would have kicked back and said, I guess, I guess you know, this is just the will of God. How about a, an, uh, another scenario um, where Jesus uh, says this, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 19. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That means you have a role to play to securing the will of God on this earth. And I'm not talking about just saying, demons, get out of here. I'm talking about binding the will of God in your life. It is the will of God for me to be healthy. Amen. And that binding process might mean going out and exercising tomorrow morning. I appreciate all of the options that we have medically, but one option that we have medically is to take care of our bodies. In fact, it's, it's as big of a responsibility as balancing your checkbook or changing the oil on your car or washing the windows once in a while. You know, you and I have a responsibility to take care of our bodies, and part of binding the will of heaven on earth is to take care of our bodies, to take care of our, our emotions. I, I don't, you cannot accelerate for 14 days straight in your physical, emotional life and not take a, a day off. You're going to burn out and implode. God, help me to be healthy. Yes, binding on earth it will be bound in heaven. It's you locking down the things that should be. And sometimes, yes, it's in prayer, but it's, sometimes it's in action. Sometimes it's in your relationship with your spouse. Lord, I want to, I'm believing you for a better marriage. Well, what does that look like exactly? What, what, how will you bind that? Well, I prayed, I bound it. I bind the devil from my marriage. Well, probably really what needs to be bound a little bit is the way you dialogue with your spouse. Got to make sure I put a smile on so you won't get mad at me. No, I didn't get an email from your spouse. I'm just this human. I know these things. I'm, I'm married as well. If I want to a better marriage, yes, I can pray, but binding it on earth is me locking down my own behavior. We have a role to play. Boy, it's going to be hard to get some amens. Okay? Amen. You, 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 want, you want to make more money? Oh, God, I speak over my finances. Yay and amen. Okay, let me give you two things on what will help you. Well, let me give you a couple things real quick. Students, take notes of this. How to make more money. Number one, show up a little bit early. Put your phone away. Turn it off. While you're there, work really hard. Okay? Number three, stay a little bit late. Okay? Just two minutes. They'll be shocked that you made it through a whole day. Okay? They'll be shocked. You probably can become company owner by the end of the week. Just do those things, right? Okay, have a good attitude while you're there. How's that sounding? Okay, that, that, will, that will help your finances to increase. Declaring increase of your finances is a wonderful thing. That's lining the prayer up with it, but you've got to bind on earth some action. How about do a couple things? Spend less than you make. How about do this? Honor God with the first fruits of your finances. Amen. Amen. You, you tithe. You want God to bless your finances? He wants to bless your finances. Dial your, your finances according to Scripture in a way that he will be able to bless this thing that you're praying. Bind it on earth. It will be bound in heaven. It goes on to say, whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about any one thing they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And so I had to ask myself the question, how many things have I settled for that are not God's best? 
And I realized that I have a role to play in this whole thing. And I need to fight for God's good things in my life. I need to aggressively go after once I recognize God has something better or this thing shouldn't be here. Or God, if, if Jesus walked in the room right now, he would fix this. Therefore, I know what his heart is. And so now I'm going to fight to see the fix come to my life. Are you, you hear what I'm saying? Instead of just waiting for God to do all the stuff, we lean forward and we, we, we work in partnership with him. Amen? And so that's a thing that had to be transformed in my mind. I argued against the idea initially, and then the more scripture I read as God began to transform my mind, there was several aha moments. Disciples are drowning in the boat. Not a single one of them praying. They're all, wake Jesus up. Let's get going. So Jesus stands up, and, and, he, and he does something not to show off of who he is, but to show them what they should have done. He puts his foot up on the bow of the ship. He speaks to his circumstance, and he says, peace be still. He took authority over his own situation. So often, we've got a storm happening in our life. We're like, oh, God, please do something. And Jesus showed you that you have a role to play you need to address your storm. You speak to your storm, and then if there are things on earth that you need to do to, call, to, to bring alignment with heaven, you do those things, but you have a role to play. And if you don't, the will of God might not take place. That's a sad thing where Jesus died so that something could be on the shelf for you to enjoy, and you're over here suffering, and it's just right there. Don't... That, this is, this is one of the things that God has transformed in my life, and it's helped me to be so much more successful as a, as a Christian, but it's definitely had an impact in our church family because we all chase after that now. Um, there's a couple of catalysts for this transformation that will happen in your life. Uh, it's probably not a full list, but God's Word, whether you're reading God's Word, it's why you should be in the Word of God daily, reading, God, reading God's Word and saying, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? And then reading it just for the information that's there will help you to uh, be transformed. You'll see some things you didn't know were there. You'll be like, whoa, I didn't realize that. Maybe I should start doing that. Maybe I should stop doing that. And it will cause you to behave a different way. Your mind has been changed by the words you've read or you heard preached to you or the podcast you listen to. And those new actions will bring about a different outcome in your life. You'll also find that the voice of the Holy Spirit is just going to speak to you. You start a relationship with him, he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to each of you a little differently. Sometimes uh, he'll speak through preaching. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will maybe speak through someone else. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will, if you really learn how to dial into him and learn how to walk closely with him, you'll be able to open up your Bible and say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's go. And you'll just sense that he's having a conversation with you the entire time. But I would challenge you that the Spirit of God, it's not an it, it's a he, and you want to have a relationship with him because Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. It's not good that you go away. You just showed up. You're the one doing all the miracles. How could it be good for you to go away? It's good for you that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send someone who's not only going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And Jesus is like, I, I can't be with you, Mark, and be with you, Matthew, if you're in two different places but I'm going to send one who could be inside of you and inside of you any place you go, accessible at all times. 
And so he's the one that will help to transform you. And then there's just environments that you can put yourself into. I call them faith-filled environments. It's why it's so important to be in church. It's so important to gather with other believers. It's so important to kick on the worship music at home and stir your faith up. It's so, so valuable to go on a student weekend or to go to a conference. We're, going, we're taking a few couples with us uh, to, to our C3 conference at the end of this month. And uh, it's not just, let's go away to a conference. That's not the issue. It's let's get away and get together with God and some amazing godly people. And I find that in those moments, God really does a remarkable work. It's because I've carved out a space that I've invited God into. Not that I don't invite him into every day, but the familiar has a tendency to block God's ability to speak to us sometimes. I'd recommend go, go pray someplace different next week. Put yourself in a different situation, and I think you'll find that God will be able to maybe invade that, that situation a little bit differently, and you'll be able to hear him a little more clearly. So let me give you three quick points on how this transformation is going to happen. Uh, the, the word, certainly, and the, the, the Holy Spirit, and certainly environments are going to play a role, but this is how God is actually going to bring the transformation process into your life. First, first and foremost, there's just going to be a few times where there are a number of times in your life where there's just going to be a direct download and you aren't even going to realize it's happening. And it's going to be amazing. God's just going to download a transformational bit into your life, boom, just because you're there and he's there. Not anything you're going to have to do. It's going to be a moment of just somebody praying for you or you standing there. It could be where you're privately or with other people, but it's going to be a moment where God heals you, where God delivers, God puts something into you, where someone prophesies over you, where you maybe declare something or something's declared over you. By the way, just so you understand, you hear, you'll hear this frequently in our church, just make your declaration. Just say some stuff? No, don't just say some stuff. I'll draw your attention to the Declaration of Independence. There was a group of people that felt oppression, and they wanted to declare as a group, we will no longer stand for this, and we want the one oppressing us to know that that's, that season's over, and this is where we draw the line. Your declaration is when you look at your circumstance or your situation and say, okay, this is where the line is, this is what I'm after, and this is the thing we're going for. It's not just saying something, just speaking out loud. It's you speaking truth over your life. And that's prayer. We don't just pray and ask God to do things, but we pray in a way. When the Bible says to, to bless your enemies, that means to speak a blessing to your enemies. Not just in your prayer closet. It's when you see somebody that you've been fighting with and you, the first words out of your mouth want, want to be like, come over here. So, you know, and instead you say, hey, man, I missed you. It's where you, you push something good onto the situation. It's where you, you make a declaration, and it brings about a change. I had that great opportunity not too long ago to see somebody I hadn't seen in a long time. And there's a weird parting from previous, because, you know, COVID's done that. Anybody here? Is it just me? COVID's brought some unusual breakups <laughs> in relationships, and, and nobody, nobody emailed one another. They just disappeared from your life. I ended up seeing someone, and I wanted to make sure the, I didn't want the words to be, hey, I wanted it to be something good. And I said, hey, it's great to see you. I've missed you, because that's the truth. And it just, 
hopefully change something for that person, but it was a declaration. And so it shifted things and allowed for a good conversation and a hug and a great to see you again and see you soon, see you at some point, right? And so that download might come through that way. It, it can happen unexpectedly or in a supercharged environment where you go to a conference. Uh, John chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, Jesus walking by a man who needs a healing, and he says, hey, get up, lift up your mat, and go and walk. And unexpectedly, this man hears the voice of God, and he picks up his mat, and strangely, he's able to walk. It may not be that extreme in your life, but he might download, hey, you've hated your, your in-laws for a long time because they said such and such thing. It's gone. Release it. Walk in freedom. And also you're like, I wasn't even praying about that. Oh, my gosh. And the, the hatred is gone. It just dissolves. And God does those types of things for us. We see that in Mark chapter 15, or Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 15. A real phenomenal scripture, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. Saul was becoming king. And in becoming king, he was going to be leading God's people as king. And I don't know about you, but that would terrify me. We can all be really critical of our politicians. And, and maybe it's, some of it's rightfully so. Don't be critical, but you could be factual without being mean, but still tell the truth, right? You can still speak the truth in love, the Bible says. But regardless of who the politician is, I don't know, I think I would be slightly overwhelmed holding political office. So King Saul's about to become king of God's people. In the process, this is what the prophet says to him. He says, you're going to be walking home, and as I've just anointed you as king, guess what's going to happen? The Spirit of the Lord is going to rush upon you while you're journeying home, and you will, be pro you will start prophesying. This was a thing that only prophets did. This man is a, a, a landowner. He's being anointed unexpectedly as king. He's got no experience at all. And God says, on your journey home, God is going to download something on you that you don't expect. And he says, you're going to suddenly start prophesying. Some of you are like, I, I can't prophesy. Well, yes, you can, A, because all you have to do is quote a scripture to somebody, and that's somewhat prophetic. You just need to say something encouraging that you know that God says about that person. You're prophesying. But some of you, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you like it did Saul, because the New Testament says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Okay? And it, he says, the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. Just moments where God's going to, I just, if you're really honest and if you really don't like some of the things about who you are and you want them changed, God has the power to transform those things. I thank God. It's one of the most remarkable things in this world because there are things that I can't change because changing the behavior would not change the root that's causing it. But when God changes the root, suddenly the external looks so much better. You can clip the leaves off the tree, but it's not going to change the disease in the root. But if God breathes on the disease of the root, the leaves will become healthy. God's able to do that. And it's awesome because it's effortless. Unfortunately, that's not how all transformation happens. But that is how some of what God's going to do for you. I just, I, for some of you, you just need to say yes 
and God is going to shave off some of the garbage that you've been wanting to shake off for a lifetime. He's able to do it so easily. I watched, oh, I, I don't have time. Um, clearly, I don't have time. I have like a minute left. So some of it comes just divine download. God just dumps it on us. That's awesome when he does. Then some of it comes with a contingency transfer. Those of you who are in real estate, you know what contingency is. There's a, you get this if you do these things. And as you look through the scripture, there's so many times where God is wanting to do something remarkable and transform somebody, transform their circumstance, transform their situation, transform their finances, transform their world, their life, their position in life. And yet the reason why their life hasn't been transformed is because God's put a contingency upon that transformation. Great bunch of great scriptures that you could read, but I would really encourage you to go into the book of Numbers, or I'm sorry, in the book of Kings, there's a man named Naaman, and he has leprosy. And so he hears that in Israel there's a prophet who can speak healing, and people are healed in the process. And so he travels to see the prophet, and the prophet says, you want to be healed? He says, well, of course I do. And there in the chapter, uh, the prophet tells him, um, to go ahead and dip into a river. And when this man, who's from a different nation, hears this promise that if you dip seven times in the river, you'll be healed, he doesn't like what he hears. He's like, what's, what's so great about that river? we got a million rivers where I come from. And he starts to go home, and he's angry, and he's bitter, and he's got some attendants that are with him, and his attendants say to him, so he said, dip in the river. What's the big deal? Well, it's not really a big deal. It's just stupid. There will be some stupid things that you will have to do. That's stupid for me to have to give my money. That's stupid for me to have to be nice to them. They're not nice to me. It's stupid for me to have to call them up when they're the ones who should be calling me. And so the, fortunately, the attendant said, look, I know it's stupid. Just try it. I challenge you. There's going to be some moments where the Lord says, I will bless you if you do ABC. I want to challenge you. It may seem stupid, but try ABC. Because when Naaman dipped the seventh time, he came up and out of the water. His flesh, the Bible says, was like the flesh of a baby. I would like to find this river even at this point. <laughs> So I'm starting to see some liver spots showing up, and I'm like, who is this old man in my bathroom every morning? I'm like, what is this? Is there a, you know, because we want to test everything now. Like, well, I think I've got, you know, I'm on WebMD trying to research this bump over here on my face and compare it to pictures online. Anyways, that's not you. That's, that's probably just me. Does that make sense? Contingency transfers? Does that, that make sense? There's going to be where you're going to have to do something. You know, there was a, another quick real story, a quick story. It's a man with a withered hand that needed healing. And you know what Jesus told him to do? Stretch out your hand. Why? Jesus could have just healed him. Stretch out your hand. You know, I'll have a withered hand. I do have a hand that I've slammed in a car door as a kid. And nobody could find the keys. That was a little bit of a journey. Um, so it might look like I have a withered hand. 
I just really have old man hands at this point. <laughs> broken a few fingers. I've got a broken finger over here that's twisted. I never got fixed playing flag football. It was too humiliating. I broke my finger grabbing a flag on a guy's waist. I ain't going to the hospital to have that fixed. I'm going to live with that one and just act like it never happened. Um, stretch forth your withered hand. I think that if you have a withered hand, you're probably walking around with your hand in your pocket like this all the time, right? Because this is the thing that you're embarrassed of and you don't want anybody to know about it. And if I raise my hand and say I'm going through some emotionally difficult time, that's like taking your withered hand and putting it out in the front. You're going to find that the Lord is going to put you in positions where you make yourself vulnerable first to him and maybe what you think is other people. But your obedience is the catalyst that will shift this thing. So there are some transformations in your life waiting to happen, but you're going to have to be willing to be obedient. Uh, let me give you the final one, and this we'll just end on this, and I'm going to come up and pray in just a second. We're going to sing a song together. Um, transformations, some transformations are going to come by means of spoils of war. There are some things that need to be changed in your life right now, but the only way are going to ha- they're going to happen is if you roll up your sleeves and get ready to throw some punches, not to other people, but in your own life for the things that you know that God has for you, the things that you believe for, for your company, your business, for your family, for your children, for your finances, for your your physical well-being. Man, I tell you what, I'm gonna be really honest with you. I'm not a guy who struggles with anxiety typically. I'm not a guy who has bad days and the last two years were quite challenging. And I don't know about you, but like there were there was a moment last August of sitting on the, uh, uh, I mean I was like I think I'm just done, not done with life, not done with the Lord. I love Him, but I'm just feel like you know what's the point? Like I'm a bad person if I, and understand you know this. Come here, you're welcome to come here. If you need to be at home, be at home. If you come here and you wear a mask, we love you, we honor you, and you wear it. And if you come and you don't have one on, we honor you and love you. Okay? It's, not, it's not either or, it's both and here. Okay, But I was like at a point where as a pastor and as a church, we can't do anything right. Like there's people mad at me because we were having church services for people wearing masks. There's people mad at me because then we have a service later on where you're not required to wear a mask. I'm like, we're just trying to have church for anybody who needs to come. Right? And, you know, there's a moment where like, you're like, what's the point? Why, am I, why, even, why even waste our time on this? But you know that there is a point, something deeper down. It's for the people who we know and we love. And there's the people who have yet to walk through these doors that need to hear the message of God. And there's a thing that all of a sudden, I don't know if you can hear it, but it's... Like, stop, we need to sing. Okay, stand with me. Where something just rises up within you and you begin to say, you know what? I want the will of God for my life and I'm willing to fight for it. And I don't care what the challenges are. I don't care what the difficulties are. I don't care if we've got to do three services in a garage. I don't care if we got to do a service out in the wind in a tent. 
I don't, have, I don't care if we have to move it to Saturday night. I don't care if we've got to pay a ridiculous amount of money to build out some, some new spot. We'll, do it. we'll set up on the moon if that's what we got to do. But we know the heart of God is for us to be together, to serve God, to have an impact on our city, to love people, to see them come into the kingdom of God, experience the presence of God. And so you begin to roll up your sleeves and you just say, let's go to war. We're not at war with anybody else, but we're at war for the things that God has for us. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.